and welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify. It's Thursday. I'm in the studio with Jesse Parker Humphreys and producer Becky. Guys, I need to do a vibe check because I'm feeling kind of strange this morning. You're looking at two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling all discombobulated, but and I don't know if it is the Leah Williamson injury or what. I don't know if something has shifted in the cosmos. It's it's giving me sliding doors vibes on the tube today. Just feels like something is not right in the world and that potential injury has just caused the timeline to go into meltdown. People, the, the girls are fighting on the timeline. <laughs> I hate it. So is it just me or is anyone else feeling weird after last night? Um, yeah. Yeah, you are feeling yeah, weird. Yeah, I'm feeling weird. Okay. And you know what? That makes sense because I wasn't on the list to get into the studio this morning. Mm. And that must be why. <laughs> that must be why. The universe is, is going all weird. <laughs> I want to know, are you or Leah Williamson, Gwyneth Paltrow, in this sliding door <laughs> scenario? I have to say it's probably Leah, isn't it? Let's be honest. But I, think... I would watch a remake if it was you. <laughs> you wouldn't watch a remake if it was Leah? Well, maybe. I just think I'd, I'd enjoy flow more in it i mm. do love that film it's a brilliant film i want to ask you jesse then and becky if there was a sliding doors with me and leah and we were doing separate sliding doors movie what would be our alternative career slash timelines presumably you'd be a footballer and leah williamson <laughs> would host a podcast <laughs> okay i'm into it <laughs> I'd, I'd, i could do it i think leah would be good as a, a podcast yeah. be great. Yeah. 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 yeah it was it was a weird one last night and um the timeline was rattled i think shall we say last night and this morning but we hope everyone has recovered is ready to engage in some discourse because the discourse has been discoursing this morning as well we are never far away from much discourse on this I feel show. like Williamson was the kind of sacrificial discourse <laughs> lamb because the game itself was pretty Yeah, we'd have nothing dry. to talk about today if she hadn't got injured. Yeah, yeah. And so. actually, I'd put on our list of things to discuss FA Cup discourse, but I think this has blown mm. out of the water. That's yesterday's We news. need a daily podcast if we are going to keep on top of all the discourse. We should do real. like one of those quick hit news Spotify shows where we just do like five minutes of women's football discourse update every day that just flies into our feed it's like this is what you need to know mm. about what's going on on women's football twitter because things move so quickly i get people text me all the time saying or we text each other saying what's this about <laughs> having, generally... to, having to work backwards when <laughs> yes. you see something it's like <laughs> investigative journalism <laughs> like and sometimes it takes a really long time sometimes don't can't even find it like the the um the <laughs> leah williamson drunk Instagram Discord. Oh my Discourse. God. No, I can't be bothered to get involved <laughs> in like, that. It's like, I actually still couldn't work out. Well, it was yesterday, wasn't it? You found I that TikTok. I only found it on TikTok. So yeah, it, took us, it took us days. I needed the algorithm to yeah. surface it to me. And that was a real, sorry, have a day off moment as well <laughs> on the weekend. But I love when Becky posts something and it is like you crack the code because you'll put something in the group chat like, guys, I worked out what it was. I and it's just it. like a round it. of applause. <laughs> I found out what it was. And it's often the most mundane <laughs> thing ever that someone's just lost their mind about for no reason but yeah maybe we will during the world cup maybe have to just like a daily like siren it's especially hard beep, beep, beep. when becky that's my discourse when becky did go on holiday um because Wait. we had to <laughs> we had to keep her updated on the discourse because you were like tuned in and tuned out and genuinely if you're off your phone for like a few hours or away, like i said thought mallory swanson was dead <laughs> That's why I never go on holiday, so I can be permanently online. <laughs> yeah, true. 
I mean, yeah, I, I always get in trouble with my girlfriend for just being on my phone all the time. So it, even last night when we were trying to sort out admin and Becky was messaging me and I was like, sorry, um, like I, I've been on my phone, blah, blah, blah. And Holly was just like rolling her eyes like sorry, a Holly. discourse widow. That's all, <laughs> <Holly>. <laughs> Genuinely, like the wags are going through it, guys. Think about what it's like to be the wag of people that are addicted to social media. <laughs> yeah, like are it's you, tough. You, well, I suppose both of you actually are kind of like... Online boyfriend, offline girlfriend. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard, it is hard out hard. here. We, we're doing our best. Yeah. But Josh That's why same. Holly and Zanna like each other so much, yeah. because they, they understand. <laughs> They've got a support group. <laughs> they do. Um, we've got a lot to talk about on today's show. Obviously going to talk about the events of last night, the game between Manchester United and Arsenal in the WSL. We're going to look ahead to the Champions League semi-finals as well that are incoming on the weekend and answer some of your questions. So with a big deep breath, let's get into it after this. So last night, Manchester United-Arsenal, it was the big ticket event on BBC Three. Our good friend Jilly Flatty was on the coverage, of course, because she is booked Looking and busy great. all the yeah. time. To say. I, so I texted this yesterday, but I'm really glad that in that wind they let her keep her her standard hairstyle. Couldn't, she couldn't be out there with her hair down. Oh, in no, that we've wind. had enough. We have had enough of the hair down. BBC respects the brand. Sky does not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. <laughs> Um, and I liked her outfit as well. Great outfit choice from Jilly. I thought she looked yeah. fab. Yeah, Jilly, so, we're obsessed with you. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you. Come back. <laughs> um, and we know that she was up and early this morning getting the train back from Lee because Lil keeps her on a hell of a tight leash. <laughs> so she had to get back to London in time. Um, but that's enough about Jilly's uh, style. <laughs> Let's get on to... She had some good analysis too. Ooh, yeah, great analysis. Let's get, in, get down and dirty into what happened in last night's game because actually it wasn't a classic this game comes around and we're going to talk about scheduling but this game comes in an odd spot as well because Manchester United are coming off the back of playing an FA Cup semi-final that they kind of just scraped through it wasn't their finest ever performance everyone's coming off the back of an international break Arsenal are coming in from the cold a little bit because they've had an extended time off so it, it and it falls just before their Champions League semi-final. So I was watching this this game thinking it felt like a game that two teams didn't want to lose than actually one team trying to win the game. Yeah, and I think the Williamson injury probably impacted that massively. I, th- I think from bo- from both teams to be honest. Um and it is also just that point in the season and that's why I think with some of the scheduling stuff it's very hard to see uh, the woods from the trees because these games are always going to be take on an extra level of intensity when it's really clear to the teams what the like what impact the outcome has. Like the reality is, because Arsenal lost that game, you'd have to say that winning the league probably looks beyond them at this point. And equally, coming off the back of an international break, I thought Arsenal looked rusty, which is understandable. Most teams do when they're they're playing their first game. And that's actually kind of the interesting thing about where this game comes is, aside from the Williamson injury, if you bracket that, I wonder if Arsenal will have benefited from playing midweek rather than going into the Wolfsburg game without having played at all. Um, and I think that just shows that you can look at all of these kind of things from 
from lots of different angles. Um, but yeah, I thought United were fine in the first half. I thought they played through Arsenal's press really well. It was just the final ball was missing a lot. And then obviously when Arsenal changed shape at, at half time, United couldn't really figure out a way to deal with that. But equally, they were happy to defend the lead, understandably. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the Williamson injury just disrupts everything. Arsenal, understandably, just didn't recover their shape, went to pot, really. Gio comes on and I couldn't quite work out where she was meant to be. She was playing to the right of a front three and then everyone kind of shifted. But then there was there seemed to be no space on that right-hand side for Arsenal to exploit. They looked so narrow. Leah Volti coming back off her break was obviously massive, but... They are going through it right now with injuries and we're going to talk about that a, li- a little bit more depth coming up. But it's it's not great. I mean, they are really struggling. Their squad is down to bare bones now. They obviously lose Leah Williamson in the first 15 minutes with that injury that l- does not look great. We have to be honest. The replay doesn't look great. It There was n- very little contact from Katie Zellum behind her. She goes down. She's slamming the ground like almost like she knows what's happened too. And I think that's what strikes fear into everyone. They've already got Steph Catley coming back, Caitlin Ford hopefully coming back fairly soon. Uh, Lena Hurtig is out as well, I think. Um, and then you've got obviously Mead and Miedemar out with injuries. And then Katie McCabe suspended, Kim Little out for the season. It was the worst case scenario for Arsenal. And that's probably what makes the scheduling of last night's game coming where it did worse because of these injury issues. And obviously, if you're Arsenal, you want more time for certain players to get back fit. And losing Leah Williamson is just, you know, going to be huge, not just for Arsenal, but potentially, you know, for England as well. So I I really feel for them. And I feel for Jonas Eideveld because it was already bad, obviously, losing Meade and Miedemar, but when you think about the last few weeks for them, the K McCabe thing was silly. Shouldn't need to do that. What caused that yellow card and that suspension? It's funny though. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. TikTok thanks her for the content. <laughs> and what um, a WSL title that will be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just it's it's shit, frankly. And someone has asked on Twitter about what's going on at Arsenal because. They, you know, Arteta's army on Twitter has said that the club has arguably some of the best facilities, physios. We know there's been an overhaul of the medical staff as well. Gary Lewin's come in, pictures, resources, everything. But they have now, in back-to-back seasons, even since Joe, Joe Montemurro was there, they've had these injury crises that have just enveloped the whole squad and they're losing... Sometimes, like when Joe was there, like double digit number of players. What is going on? I just like you look at what other happening to other clubs, and it's just not they're not going through the same thing, and that's why I think a lot of fans are quite concerned. It's tough because we're never going to be able to sit here, and even if we did know the inner workings of Arsenal, which we obviously do not. None of us have the professional qualifications to properly pass judgment on how they set up. I think it's clear that obviously investment and expertise has been made and brought in, but sometimes maybe those things take time to implement. Maybe you might have better 
medical facilities, but if your, say, strength and conditioning isn't good enough or you're or like not good enough, but like not set up in a way to benefit the players or you're training too much or with a higher level of intensity or you might just be really fucking unlucky. I think what's hard is when you assess these situations, we are bombarded with anecdotal evidence and it's very tricky to look at that and take a step back and be like, is there actually something meaningful going on here? Clearly, the the large amount of time that this has gone on makes you feel like that is the case. It feels like a very long period of time to be unlucky around. Um, and there are things like, you know, maybe Idaval's uh, personal preference for a slightly smaller squad. I think that's something that you maybe have to look to and say, well, obviously that's going to limit your ability to rotate players Equally, a player like Williamson has played an awful lot of football because Serena Wiegmann likes to play the same team a lot of the time. And, you know, we have seen after England having doing very well to get away without any injuries in the Euros, we've now seen, I guess, several of those first teamers uh, pick up injuries. But again, if you're not going to be able to easily draw a correlation between these two things. Um, so... It, it's a really tough one to to figure out. I guess you just hope that Arsenal are putting, and I'm I'm sure they will. I think because we've seen how much the club has upped its game in in all elements for supporting its women's team. You know, even if you look at just the marketing, the support that's gone into having the games at the Emirates, I think it's fair to say Arsenal are clearly a club who care. And then you just maybe have to have faith that behind the scenes they are working it out and they're drawing conclusions um, from from what's happening to to improve it in the future. Because right now, you're right, Flo, like, it feels like an outlier. Yeah, and I think that, like you say, there are so many factors that come into it and that's why people get so frustrated because we talked about this on our special episode about ACLs, which if you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to it, a little uh, plug there. But we talked about that. Everyone wants to find the answer because they want to then find the solution for this problem. But the truth is there are going to be many factors that are going to influence some of these things and they also are going to take time to try and solve and it may only be the next generation which see the benefits of those changes. There are some changes that a club like Arsenal can bring now and I do think, like you say, there is a lot of pressure on quite a, a small squad and when they lose key players the knock-on implications, you know, more players then have to play more time, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that hasn't been great. So that's probably the easiest, smartest fix is this summer they can invest loads of money, which certainly seems like the plan, and get loads more players and expand their squad. But then it's hard because you can't always then factor in the bad luck element. And it's hard to know how much is bad luck and how much is stuff that can be put into injury prevention around, like you say, strength and, strength and conditioning, monitoring load, recovery time. The travel is massive. You know, I think we have to factor that into that Arsenal got back in the early hours last night from Manchester. And I do not think anyone should be flying to and from places in England. But men's footballers are getting you know so much more recovery time and are getting the resources to look after their bo bodies better in that way than the women's players are getting I don't think anyone should be flying anywhere but you, you see what I mean like I think it is much harder 
with the travel factor and all these other elements, which like we talked about on the ACL one, like all these kind of environmental factors, which influence everything too. And then you've just got the fact that like Arsenal seem to just struggle more than anyone else. And so many people want to go and talk about the scheduling factor. And someone in uh, in our questions as well, uh, Claudia Bucci said, do you think journalists and pundits should stop using scheduling as a crutch for women's football? Because from where I'm standing, it's a lazy take. And what do you think about the conversations about tight schedules? Now, if we take two of the kind of leading voices in the game right now, Emma Hayes and Jonas Eidvelt, They've both talked about scheduling in their own way. Jonas talked about it before this game and he was frustrated that the United game was put before the first leg of the semi-final. And Emma Hayes has talked a lot, especially last year, she talked a lot about the FIFA window. So she's talked mainly a lot about international football windows and players coming back from Australia, say, on a Thursday before a Sunday game and finding that frustrating. So they're the two biggest voices in English women's football right now are pushing this um, conversation. And I think I understand why people lean on it, but you have to also bring the nuance around it is that actually some players aren't playing enough football and they're coming also in from a long break and that's much more of an impact to sometimes than necessarily playing too much. And I think when you talk about England, yes, I think Serena Vinwin played Millie Bright and Liam Williamson too much when she didn't need to and that has an, a knock-on effect on their potential risk of injury. But scheduling cannot be the be-all and end-all and also really should be the smallest part of this conversation, actually, if we think about it, Jesse, If we want to talk about scheduling, we need to be more specific with what we're talking about. Because are people saying there should be less games? If so, what are you getting rid of? I, I haven't seen an answer for this. You know, I've seen actually most of this season people complain for example that Champions League teams miss the Conti Cup group stages so do you want more do you want more or less do you want to just axe the Conti Cup do you want there to be less international games even though we generally see that international football is a great way to engage people within women's football a lot more than the league football generally does um or are we talking about, you know, the frequency of games? Because in that case, I think what you really are talking about is, for example, investment in pitches and grounds. So games aren't being called off and then pushed to the end of the season. Clearly, if clearly there are a lot less games in women's football than in men's football. And I don't believe that women's football should be pushing to have the same number of matches as men's football because men's footballers are massively overextended and it's unfair. But equally, I don't understand how you can look at women's football and conclude there are too many games. That just doesn't make sense to me because I think the average that a number of games that like a lower level WSL team plays is around 30 across the season. If Chelsea and Arsenal reach the Champions League final, they'll have played around 40 games this season. It's not a lot when I think when you look across all of it. But for me, I guess it becomes easier for people to criticise a concept, the schedule, than actual impactful things, e.g. clubs. Because I just feel like 
every club in the WSL probably does not do enough to support its women's footballers. I don't care if you're Chelsea, Arsenal, City, Everton, Spurs. I just don't believe they are doing as much as they do for their men's team. And they could. And that, to me, is the issue. If we get to a point where we think all of these clubs... WSL clubs are like the richest in the world. Like, not specifically the women's element, like the clubs. The Premier League is the richest league in the world. And as a result, lots of these clubs have huge amounts of money. And the women's team operate on tiny budgets. If we get to a point where we genuinely believe all of these clubs are maxing out what they could do to support their women's players and stuff still happening, maybe then we can talk about the schedule. But until then, I just feel like... (laughs) Obviously, you can turn around and say, well, until the clubs catch up, we should play less games. Bullshit. Tell the clubs to do better. It just feels like you're bowing to the pressure of not being willing to call up call out the people who could actually make change around this issue these things take time to rectify as well and i think it's right to definitely call out the clubs and say you know look it, look in house and see what you're doing to prevent these things and we hope that the stakeholders around the game continue to look for the answers which they are doing but it takes time and we just don't necessarily have it when our england captain is potentially going to miss the World Cup. Don't and say everyone was. <laughs> sorry. Don't I'm voice not, it out loud. We won't even go there. Um, I want to talk about Manchester United because this win is massive for them. Um, we're going to preview the Champions League, so we'll get back onto Arsenal. But this is a massive win for United. It does mean that they've now played two games more than Chelsea. So Chelsea are hot on their heels. But they've got a four-point gap at the top of the table And it does set them on course a little bit for just building that confidence again. Because I do think even though there'd been some important results before the international break and with the FA Cup, it still felt like they'd taken their foot off the gas a little bit. That defeat to to, um, Chelsea had obviously been massive for them. So it does, for me, kind of like inject a bit of life back into them and put them in the driving seat again. I'm not sure if the performance last night is enough to say that they are like, they've picked up the form I think they showed earlier in the season. But I agree. The most important thing you can do is put put points on the board. And this season was always going to come down to head-to-heads between, between the top four because everyone's dropped one, two, three points against teams who are, who are outside of that. But you've got to credit United to do the double over Arsenal to get a draw against City. Okay, they did lose twice to Chelsea, but they've still got to play City again. You're you're sitting on seven points from that head-to-head table, which you then compare to Arsenal, who who are on four because they've drawn with Chelsea and they've beaten City and they've lost the other three games they've played. Obviously, equally, they've got Chelsea to come. But that's the thing that really makes the difference in this league. And for me, that's the biggest step United have taken this season is... The the combination of I think the the having the players with the ability to beat teams in the top four as well as taking a lot of belief that they can beat those teams and I think we've take, seen them take those steps over a number of seasons you know they did get good results against Arsenal last year they've got good results against City in the past even if they maybe should have done better at those points. I think before you used to see them play well, but it was almost like they could never get it over the line. And this season we have started to see them 
put that together um, and it will be really interesting because obviously Chelsea don't play another WSL game for like two weeks, basically. Um, so United are going to have more time to put more points on the board. I don't necessarily worry about that so much from a Chelsea perspective because Chelsea have been in this position before and I don't think they'll be phased about having to kind of come from behind and play the games in hand. But obviously for United, it will be a big confidence boost because everything, games in hand, is hypothetical until they're played. You can't just add six points on for Chelsea right now, right? Like the table is what the table is. And for United to have the points there is is a massive, massive buffer. We also um, want to shout out Brighton because a massive win from them last night in the relegation battle puts a little bit more breathing space, takes them off the bottom of the table. They're now two points clear of Leicester. They've still got a game in hand. They're a point ahead of Reading, who are now look like they're going to be in the thick of it. 3-2 win against Everton. It got a little bit nervy, but they got the job done, and that is massive. Mel Phillips continues her kind of mini-revolution there, and um, they've just got like back-to-back huge games coming up. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. I may be going to Brighton-Leicester on the last day of the season if Ooh. if it stays to like you know and, and going to be dramatic if it's done and done it's I won't be going to that if it's a head-to-head I will be going right let's get into some Champions League previews next so Champions League returns this weekend it's going to be hopefully a nice sunny game at Stamford mm, Bridge it went from being sunny and 22 mm, degrees to like pass. kind of rainy and 14 I'll do. Oh. I'll double check now okay Becky's been on weather watch no 30% rain but think of me degrees. running the marathon on Sunday in yeah. much more pleasant temperatures yeah. so okay. just mm. put me first once in your life okay <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Um, yeah, we will be obviously having a counter-press day out at Stamford Bridge on Saturday as they host Barcelona. So, Jesse, it's marathon weekend for you too. So it's a big old weekend. But let's Wait, What t- are you more nervous about? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, the game against Barcelona. <laughs> so, yeah, let's... I will get... I hope... I mean, touch wood, I will get to the end of the marathon regardless. I don't know if Chelsea will, well, Chelsea will get to the end of this game. Let's talk about this game because I think getting to this point was huge for Chelsea for, to start with because they were on verge, as we know, of being out of the Champions League. Can I just reflect on that game? Holy yeah, shit. That was crazy, guys. They were, that woman. was mad. They were seconds away, right? So they've 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 rescued defeat or rescued, sorry, victory, victory from the, <laughs> the, the, the claws of defeat. Um, but so it does it feel like this is kind of a free hit because of that? When that game happened, I thought that is how I would feel about the <laughs> semi-final. But now it's actually mm. here. I feel shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Your football team doing well is like, it's a great experience, but it's also really horrible. Stressful. Yeah, sickening. It's, and yeah. I think playing a team like Barcelona feels particularly hard because I really want to believe that miracles can happen because I saw them happen at mm. Stamford Bridge that night. Have you run out of miracles though? That's the thing. <laughs> Have we run out of miracle juice? You had a lot of miracle juice on the run to the final before though. Yeah, but then we played Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> I just and don't know. It wasn't great. <laughs> Barcelona are like, they've got the miracle juice antidote. What's that song? Miracles don't happen against <laughs> What's them. this? Well, Leon 
champion. That's, that's, that's not a miracle. That's Leon. What? What's that song in the Prince of Egypt? There can be miracles <laughs> when you believe. Houston, that is my energy. A Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, I think. Yeah, it's an absolute iconic duo. So maybe we should play that the song on of the Saturday. way. When we're having our nice calf breakfast on Saturday, mm. maybe we should be Should I bring my speaker and I'll just blast that? <laughs> huge boombox <laughs> on repeat <laughs> in the calf. Walking down towards the ground. Um, well, let's talk about Barcelona then because... They did get beaten in the Champions League final by Lyon last season. Reflecting on that fateful night in Gothenburg a few years ago, with some quite a lot of the same team expected to play in this semi-final on Saturday, how do the how do the feelings compare in terms of your chances at winning this game? Obviously, maybe without Millie Bright compared to twenty twenty one and now. I definitely felt better before the final. It's just a one game though as well. It's one game. Mm. I, for me, the big concern is I feel like maybe we can get a result at Stamford Bridge. It's the Camp Nou element, which to me just feels a massive, massive mountain to climb because every time Barcelona play there, it's just relentless. Even in the game we went to when Real Madrid scored that like wonder goal, mm. it was just like they were just like, okay, sure. <laughs> boom, boom, you, boom. Goals, goals, goals. Do you think you would rate your chances better if it, the Camp Nou game had been first? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it's very hard to, to play it this way round and I always felt like that. I mean, look, if Chelsea are going to get anything from it, I think you can... You can argue the tactical battle. You know, Barcelona like to push their defenders up. Chelsea have lots of players who like to run in behind. You know, space behind Frida Rolfo for Lauren James. Lucy Bronze isn't the most mobile of players anymore. And you're going to have Guru Wrighton plus Sam Kerr, I think, in the air. We saw Ada Hegerberg score that goal against Mappy Lyon in the final. To me, that's like, if Chelsea are going to score, that goal is your blueprint. That's what you're watching and saying. Okay, you know, Salma Batterball, Sam Kerr running off uh, Leon. The problem is, is how do you stop them going the other way? And I still don't think Chelsea have a convincing midfield. And that's what you need to neutralise Barcelona. Not to mention that I guess we're going to have Marimielda and Magda Eriksson. Um, Buchanan might have a potentially good, okay chance of coming back, but yeah, Buchanan. Um, so I mean, look, it's they're two very experienced defenders. There'll be a lot of motivation around Chelsea, and maybe this game will feel different because of that. And maybe, maybe to the players, it feels like a free hit. I don't know. I would be surprised if it felt like a free hit to them. Um, Do you think though that going back to that tactical battle that that could be an advantage for Chelsea as well this season that they've been playing a lot of the season that way. They've been relying on that style of play to get them through so many key games that almost they have the right game plan and we maybe we won't see the same sort of panic that we've seen in the past when things don't work because they'll be more convinced right this we don't deviate from the game plan rather than trying to take Barcelona on like they have in other opportunities or similar scenarios and then try and fix a problem that doesn't necessarily even exist you know potentially but my other 
kind of qualm about this game is that the two Liga FA games, both of which Barcelona won, but where they got really rattled, were against Levante and they were against Sociedad. And both times, those teams pressed Barcelona really hard. And that's something that Chelsea used to do a lot of and haven't done very much of this season. And I think I'd feel more confident if we were maybe seeing a the high pressing version of Chelsea we've had in the past rather than the sit back version of Chelsea because yes maybe you feel better about you're going to get your chance playing the longer ball over the top although equally I'd question without Millie Bright in the team are you going to see as many of those good balls out from the back but this is the problem with Barcelona is if you sit back and give them the ball they will unlock you just I just don't I've seen so many teams sit in a low block against Barcelona it does not work they are too good you have to play on the front foot and then that is the 180 minute double leg problem because I don't know if it's possible to play on the front foot for that large amount of time yeah we saw um Real Madrid do it quite well this season as well for a half when they kind of tried to press and play the same game and then that unraveled quite quickly as well because it's so hard to maintain that for so long because they will just suffocate you they'll exhaust you with their ability on the ball what do you think is the best case scenario let's just talk about the first leg because we'll begin reflecting obviously next week on how that goes and looking ahead to the second leg and you're going to be in Barca in the sunshine enjoying that but Let's talk about Sasse then. What do you think is the best case scenario for Chelsea on the weekend? <laughs> Five-nil win. win. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, and a little realistic. bit of, what a question. A little bit of realism, please. Okay, well, uh, then say what's the most realistic sorry, result. Sorry, what's the most realistic result? I, if I'm being hopeful. <laughs> if, if you do believe in miracles. If I'm believing in miracles. It's what Mariah and Whitney would want. Yeah, what would I they could want? see Chelsea maybe getting away with a 1-0 win. Okay. Potentially, potentially. This is a fool's errand because <laughs> I'm going to look stupid because I, I think Barcelona could be quite brutal. Um, but no, you can see a version of events where Chelsea get that, that one chance and, you know, they do frustrate Barcelona. Hopefully the Sanford Bridge crowd is going to be really good. Um, I hope the atmosphere is great. I, th- I definitely feel like the Lyon game really invigorated a a different element of the Chelsea fan base who maybe aren't the kind of people who always go to King's Meadow. And I'm I'm really, I hope that like the Stamford Bridge day out, like we saw how amazing Stamford Bridge was uh, against Real Madrid in the Men's Champions League. Um, not that it actually went very well. So I, but you know, um, it's not going to be a sellout, I don't think. But you know, that kind of vibe, you could see, Stamford Bridge isn't a ground that has a reputation for having an amazing atmosphere, but you could see what it can offer. Um, so maybe, yeah, a one nil win. That would probably be like my realistic best case scenario. I'd like to add to the best case scenario. Sunny. Yeah. Let's sunny. just manifest that. Yeah. Please, Not everybody. cold. I was so cold at Loftus Road last night. I just don't. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm really <laughs> sick of it. It's just you cannot dress at the moment because it's Are sunny you in the, the morning. Game yesterday. Yeah. I wondered why you were eating dinner so early. <laughs> Sometimes I might want to eat dinner early anyway. <laughs> like uh, like, I can't deal with the weather at the moment. It's either really windy and sunny or just cold. I mean But maybe we need it to rain because the Spanish players are so put true. Off. True. Uh, we'll see, we'll Sleet. see. <laughs> uh, anyway no, I uh, no, I'm not I'm not shipping that. So um, you would so if if the universe was like you can have a really nice sunny day out but Chelsea will lose or you can have a horrible it's going to snow but Chelsea will win 
Not having the snow. I'm Guys, sorry, I hate my brother snow. asked me the best question this morning as <laughs> cool. well. What? Would you take Chelsea men being relegated if it meant the women could win the Champions League? You said League? yes, didn't you? <laughs> of course I, I did. I knew, I knew you would say yes. I knew you would say yes. Uh, let's talk about Wolfsburg Arsenal. Understandably, the, the vibes in the Arsenal camp won't be great because it has been... A hell of a, a week with the Kim Little news. Obviously, you know, players would have known that before the release came out. But with this depleted squad, like we just spoke about, Wolfsburg had a 3-0 win yesterday and a massive win against Bayern in the Cup. So the vibes could not be more opposite. Wolfsburg are top of the table by two points, but they have played one game more than Bayern because they played on Wednesday night. But it hasn't been the best season for them. They've been a little bit stop-start. They haven't been probably as good as maybe they were last season. I don't really think they've managed to play the most invigorating, um, sensational football this season. But they still do have something about them and a lot of talented players, Jesse, to, against a, a depleted Arsenal side, pull off a, a big result. Yeah, when I watched Wolfsburg PSG, I really fancied Arsenal for this tie. And now with the additional Arsenal injuries and Wolfsburg getting the really confidence-boosting win against Bayern, I don't really know where I'm at. I could imagine this game will still be a lot more cagey and even than potentially the other semi-final will be. For me, what's bizarre is that I just don't understand why Tommy Stroop plays the players he does. I feel like he's got lots of very exciting pacey wingers and they see surprisingly few minutes. Tabea Vasmuth was one of the best players in the Champions League last season, not really featured that much for Wolfsburg this season. Eula Brands, Wendis Johnsdottir, equally, none of those have nailed down spots in the team. But equally, when we reel off these players, we realise why Wolfsburg probably have a pretty good shot over Arsenal because Arsenal are basically presumably going to only be able to put out an 11 because they're not going to have Jodie Taylor or Gio because they're not on the Champions League list. So that is, I think, what makes this potentially very, very tricky for Arsenal. Equally, Wolfsburg just have a sense of that they know how to get games done. Um, you know, we saw that against Chelsea and Arsenal last year in the Champions League. Um, obviously, when Chelsea beat Wolfsburg, knocked them out in the quarterfinals the year before, that was like a kind of miraculous event then. So I think it will be tough for Arsenal. I think they really needed as many players as possible fit. And even if you're getting someone like Caitlin Ford back, how is she going to look after having these couple of weeks out? It's going to have to be a flawless performance, but we saw Arsenal do that against Bayern, even when they had adversity then with Kim Little going off super early. Um, so I guess maybe for Arsenal, it, it's similar to what happened with the Bayern game. Stay in it for the away leg and, you know, go back to the Emirates and play in front of 45,000, probably will go up to 50,000 presumably people and, and take from that what you can when it becomes the, you know, free hit 90 minute game. Yeah, I think so much of it depends on what they can do in that first leg, who they have fit and how they can play. Like you said, Wolfsburg have the depth that Arsenal do not have right now. It's probably more about how Stroot uses that depth because he hasn't always 
let set them free almost and unleashed all that exciting young talent that they have. I think we saw more of that in the cup because it felt like you know Bayern, Bayern played really badly but it just felt like they had the freedom to express themselves and they looked really good going forward because of that and I think that is just going to give them so much confidence going forward and I'm intrigued to see what lineup he does go for and whether he plays some more of the younger players who impressed in that cup game or he goes back to what we saw in the PSG tie and just trying to be maybe a little bit more pragmatic. But you'd like to think in the home leg, he's got to give it everything to build as much of an advantage as Wolfsburg can take to the Emirates. Because I think I think Arsenal have managed to transform the Emirates a little bit where we've seen them struggle sometimes at that ground. You know, think about that game against United that they ended up losing, that game against Arsenal, uh, game against Chelsea they end up drawing. I think that Bayern Munich game was massive because it, a bit like Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, it transforms that more into like a fortress that they need, that they know that they can play well in and use the space and tickets have absolutely flown out the door. So there is such a big demand that you feel like fans aren't just going there for a nice day out. It's going to be a brilliant atmosphere Having that second leg is everything, but it just is so hard to think that Arsenal can get anything out this time because of the injuries. Like, Cena Blackstenius and Freedom Mum are going to have so much on their shoulders to deliver in this game because without them, I don't see how Arsenal get a result, really. It'll be fascinating how much this United game might have changed focus for Arsenal because obviously before it felt like they were up for the WSL title, you know, I think if they'd beaten United, you'd have had to say they they felt really in it. You'd have probably said it was between them and Chelsea at that point, especially because those two have to play each other. And now suddenly it feels like Arsenal have the freedom almost to say, okay, no, we put like all our chips in on the Champions League because this is what we have to play for. And whether that becomes then... uh, that becomes that extra motivation. Whereas when you've got Wolfsburg kind of still fighting for a Frauen Bundesliga title, I mean, I don't know how much Wolfsburg then care about that because they win it all the time. Similar to Chelsea probably feel like they're happy to go all in in the Champions League because they've won the WSL a lot. Um, But yeah, I just wonder whether, I think Arsenal have looked at their best and I think something that Jonas Eideval has done an amazing job in, in creating is the siege mentality everyone thinks we're rubbish we don't care we're going to go out and prove them wrong and it's very reminiscent of what Emma Hayes has done with Chelsea but when you look at you know going and coming from a goal down to win the Conti Cup to end that trophy drought um, the whole set of performances in March you know again the, the both legs against Bayern Munich just this real sense of like no we're not out here we're not done City go, you go a goal down you play like crap to be honest no we're not done and I think that's the energy that if they can harness for the Wolfsburg game, that's what you feel like could carry them through. Yeah, I certainly felt like that until the latest injury. But that just adds to it. Do you know what I mean? Like I know, if but you're I, still think, that- I still think you still need the bare bones. I, th- I don't know. I, 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 I'm with you. I you just have to still- play a perfect game. You, yeah. you have to. But I think with that what I'm saying is I feel like we've seen Arsenal find levels that they shouldn't have found based on the players they had available, based on even like what your eyes were seeing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? No, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I, I've written a Champions League preview that like mirrors a lot of that. And I was so on that. And then I had to update it this morning and be like, and now William William Wimson's injured. And that kind of just really set the mood back. Um, we are pushed for time. But one more question that we got from James was favourite Monster Munch flavour? Um, the red spicy ones. Oh. Hate Monster Munch. <gasps> Hate Monster Munch. Disgusting. Oh, I love pickled onion. A classic. Yeah, a classic. A classic. But if I had to only pick one to eat the rest of my life, I think it would be the red ones. Wow. I'm so glad we got the insight. And Shahan, I know you're asking us about championship football. We will talk about it at some point. Bristol City are going up, I think. <laughs> I think we can confirm that it's probably going to happen. Shout out Rachel Furness. Shout out Anita Santi. That's all we've got time for today. We're obviously going to be back on Monday reflecting on the two Champions League semi-finals. And then we're going to be doing a Friday show rather than a Thursday show because we obviously want to get Jesse's thoughts live and direct from Barcelona following that second leg. The tears will be flowing. <laughs> Guys, what happens if neither English team gets to the final? That would be so sad. I've not even thought about that as a possibility, but it is I extremely possible. I do think a Barcelona-Wolfsburg final would be quite fun, though. Yeah, I, I don't think, think a Barcelona-Arsenal final would be very exciting. No, it, it probably wouldn't, but also, like, then you... Well, I don't know if you would back Arsenal. Would you back Arsenal if they got to the final and Chelsea didn't? I feel like you, I feel like you would, because Barcelona, like, becomes your nemesis a little bit. I have complicated relationships with both Barcelona and Arsenal Football Club, I think is what I'd say. Okay. Which is more complicated. <laughs> if, if, if they get to the final, who are you backing? I'll have to back Chaos. If in doubt, yeah. always back Chaos. Yeah, so true. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening and we will see you all soon.